A mission on a space station, a mysterious planet, people from dreams suddenly appearing, all this can only mean one thing. We're comparing Solaris on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. I'm Reggie Parker. And I'm Dan Bulick. Welcome to another episode of Retro vs. Remake. A podcast where we discuss films and their remakes. Join us as we explore the question, should this remake exist? On this episode, we're doing Solaris. Let's just dive right in. The original Solaris was made in 1972, starring, and apologize in advance because I am sure I'm going to butcher these names, Donatas Benayanis, Natalia Bondarchuk, Yuri Yave, Anatoly Solinitsyn, and Sas Sargian. Directed by Andrei Tarkovsky. Screenplay by Andre Tarkovsky and Frederick Gorenstein. Music by Eduard Artemyev. Okay. Solarius 2002, starring George Clooney, Natasha Michelone, Jeremy Davies, Viola Davis, and Ulrich Tucker. Directed by Steven Soderbergh. Screenplay by Steven Soderbergh. Music by Cliff Martinez. Both of these movies are based on the 1961 novel by Stanislaw Lem. There we go. I made it through all the names. Okay, Reggie, what are your first experiences with either film? I never heard of either of these films until uh, you said we should watch them. <laughs> um, so this is you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, this is my first run through. I had heard of the remake. I think I read about it in a review in Rolling Stone magazine or something. And I think I checked it out when it was on HBO, but like about the whole thing, and I kind of had it on the background and I didn't finish it. So that was my only experience with the either film until watching both for this podcast. Yeah. I mean, even, um, from a first viewing, um, perspective, I don't know. I caught a vibe. Um, and I looked this up that Solaris had come out after 2001, the space odyssey. Cause it reminded me of that type of sci-fi where, uh, Oh yeah. There were, you know, limitations as to how they portrayed space, but, um, they, they do it in a really artistic way. I picked that up pretty early from that first film. I feel like I'm going to be making a lot of comparisons to the original to 2001. So I'm glad I'm the only one that definitely picked up on that. All right, before we do our comparison, let's get into the synopsis here. Yeah, for sure. Events have occurred at the space station surrounding the mysterious planet Solaris. Chris Kelvin has been sent to investigate the three-person crew aboard. When he arrives, he learns that his friend and crew member, Jabarian, has committed suicide. The other two crew members act odd and won't tell Chris what's been happening. He sees a child, not part of the crew, running around. Chris demands answers. The crew refuse to explain anything and insist that he needs to experience it himself. When Chris goes to sleep, he dreams of his wife. When he wakes up, his wife is suddenly there on the space station with him. Unsure of what's happening or how to deal with it, Chris leads her to a pod and sends her to outer space to die. At this point, the other crew members start talking. Solaris's oceans omit a radiation that might be making the apparitions appear. The planet might be aware of them observing it. Chris learns that these visitors have been showing up for everyone. They don't die. They just resurrect if they do. He learns that his wife will return too, which she does. But this time, Chris keeps her around. It is revealed that Chris's real wife committed suicide and the guilt has been eating away at him. To make it up to her, Chris decides to make it right with her apparition. The other crew members aren't too happy about this. They reveal to Chris's wife how he killed her first apparition. This leads the new wife to kill herself, only to be resurrected. Chris's wife becomes disillusioned that she's not the real wife. The crew then develop a way to make the apparitions disappear for good, and Chris's wife agrees. 
Chris is against the decision and won't let his wife destroy herself, so he decides to stay awake so she can't. He eventually does fall asleep and she does destroy herself. Distraught but complacent, Chris agrees to go back to Earth and declare the mission over. The movie ends with Chris on Earth as things return to normal. Or do they? Turns out Chris stayed on Solaris and he's able to live exactly the life he wants. A lot of similarities. I was able to use a couple of names. They changed some of them. Yeah, most of the name changes happen to be doctors. And I guess how you spell Chris uh, uh, for our main character. Other than that, you're right. There's a lot of similarities. So where should we start? Because they are really different films. I want to just talk about like maybe the style. I think style, which plays into length as well. So I, I know that we, mm-hmm. we both have notes on that. But yeah, style is a good place to start. You may not know this. I'm, I'm a big fan of overdone artistic films. I can sit through a long runtime if you give me something to sit through. (laughs) More on that later when it comes to uh, both of these films. But what struck me very early on in the original film is that although it is a sci-fi film, it starts really focusing in on um, sort of like Earth and like natural beauty. Like the movie begins in the 1972 film On Earth. And even with like limitations of cameras and films at the time, I was struck by how visually appealing the movie was pretty early on. And that that stuck with me throughout the film, that they were able to capture a lot of interesting visuals and scenery. Yeah, the original is definitely an artsy film compared to the remake. There's a lot of sort of long shots of just, you're just seeing things. There's not really any dialogue. There's not really any story being told, but there's just a lot of sort of long shots putting you where the characters are, like sort of setting the mood and the tone. There's a lot of it in the original. Yeah, I would say, honestly, first 10 minutes, maybe longer, you really don't have any significant dialogue. And uh, you're right, shots of different things, whether it's a lake or a tree or a bridge (laughs) with some guys on the bridge. Like um, you're just kind of being introduced to the universe without any real um, context other than you, you have like a sort of natural landscape, everything. You're clearly like not in the city. It's sort of almost a rural cabin in the woods type of setting um early on that's first impressions uh of the film which is interesting for a sci-fi movie they also do a lot to mess with the colors in the original it's a lot of shifting back and forth between color black and white sepia they really kind of go everywhere with the color palette in the original they don't do anything like that at all in the remake not even the flashbacks are black and white everything's just shot consistently in color the remake kind of um it feels more sci-fi earlier in the film just the way it's shot i don't know like from a color palette i'm getting a lot of like blues like almost like a a deep sort of blue setting until you get into space where things start to brighten up a little bit but it kind of almost reminds me of uh not in the same genre but that movie payback which is supposed to be shot sort of like a film noir but without doing it in black and white and i was getting something in that that sort of color palette from the uh the remake which i think is shot beautifully as well uh just two different takes yeah, I could see that. A little more monochromatic when we're on Earth and when we get to space. Maybe it's a little more colorful. I think I get that vibe. Yeah, whereas like the, the other film, I mean, it's bright throughout, but it almost goes the other way. You know, like Earth, for whatever reason, seems to be sort of highlighted. And then, you know, when you get to space, it's still a bright movie. But like a lot of the um, compelling visuals that I found were actually supposed to be Earth as opposed to the actual uh, space station itself, which it almost swaps when you look at the remake where you're right earth is a little more muted and when you get to space things brighten up yeah and then just getting a little off course i guess the design of like the space station is just a little more 
you know, more interesting in the remake as opposed to the original. Everything's pretty plain, like one color, like mostly a white in a room. But then the remake, you got like spacey spaceship stuff going on around the walls, you know? It's spacey, you know, there's chrome, the, the bright whites. This is really two different takes. Like when you look at the artistry of the 70s film, it's almost as if they really don't care to make it look futuristic. You know, there's future future elements, but it seems like the fact that it's a space station is more told to you than like a visual representation. There are different like panels and computers and stuff like that, but overall the setting never feels like ultra future futuristic to me at all. It just happens, you know, sterile, almost sciencey, but not like this is like a space station. Whereas the remake does a good job, um and maybe it's years of people having experience shooting that type of scenery, you know, that maybe we've kind of all have in our head what that should look like. But uh, the good thing is it looks like it. <laughs> so I appreciate that in the remake. Yeah, I think it's partially the limitations of the technology, just not being able to maybe do everything they wanted visually in the original, that by the time 2002 came along, you're able to pretty much get whatever type of shot you want. So the remake definitely benefits from uh, technology, just much more advanced at that point. Yeah. And, you know, not to overly do this subject, but I will say the, the one thing I do appreciate as well from the film is that it, if you're not going to fully embrace that sci-fi, you know, almost like 2001 element, I actually prefer this where it feels like just shoot, you know, what, what you know, like because we've all seen movies that didn't age well at all. I'm not saying that this movie like this movie definitely feels of the period, but like you're not getting wonky space stuff taking you out of it. It felt almost more like a play or like you said, something more artistic. Just let your own mind fill in the blanks. Like you don't need to be shown in space if you know that's the setting um, to an extent. So I think it helps the movie age well. Oh, yeah, I'll give it that. The original, they didn't like make a lot of bold predictions about where we would be technology wise. It definitely saves the film from looking ridiculous um, viewing it almost 50 years in the future. So it's a positive aspect of the original that they just, they did keep it really grounded. Like you said, like kind of like a play. They're just on one location. They didn't get too techie or too sci-fi out there. And uh, the original definitely benefits from that. I guess um, because, of, you know, we are talking about the different settings, it actually does segue because we're going to have to bring this up eventually into the runtime. Whereas we spend a decent amount of time on Earth in the um, original film where I believe the remake gets to space a lot quicker and it stays in space for the most part a lot longer considering its runtime, in my opinion. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, to that point, the original, you're not in space until 43 minutes into the movie, and in the remake, you're in space after eight minutes. They don't waste a lot of time on Earth in the remake. Yeah, it's, it's a double-edged sword because, you know, those longer, more artistic films do give you a lot more at atmosphere and world building personally i kind of like the way that they frame the solaris conversation you know um we get a look at chris's family before we get to space we get a look at um you know sort of his just general demeanor in these times before he actually makes that big trip some of it for sure can go there's a lot of exposition that doesn't need to be there and again i'm not going to get into characters just yet because i think we'll get there but uh I like that he interacts with people and I like the setup a little bit more in um, the original, whereas in the remake, you still have the setup. It's kind of contracted. It, I mean, it's almost at the same level as like, get your ass to, spit to Mars. Like, it's like, might as well be that. It's like, all right, here's a guy, you know, and he thinks you should be at Mars. And then we're there. 
which I appreciate that we don't have to waste time, but it also doesn't give me a lot of time to get the buildup of like going to this like mysterious location because we're there so quickly. I get what you're saying. Yeah, the buildup can be important. I'm not a crazy art uh, movie guy. Um, I do like more story than visuals. Uh, I appreciate it because it is a visual medium. But I do appreciate the remake just kind of like, all right, we're, we don't need to spend that much time on Earth. As much as I like some of those cool shots with a lot of ambience and just like atmosphere going on, getting you into it, some of it just goes on. In the original, um, there's this one particular shot where the Burton character is just driving through like uh, Japan. <laughs> it's pretty much just back and forth, like shots of him, like in the car, and then shots of like Japan. Just back and forth, like for five minutes. And there's no story being told. There's not even really music. Uh, all you kind of hear is the engine running. So it's just like five minutes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I Do we need this? You know, right. I can appreciate some arts, but uh, sometimes it's just like, all right, all right, we don't need this much. Come on, let's get some story here. We're not even in space yet. No, I, I will say that that part was egregious. You know, you get some interesting cityscape shots, but I think where the movie does itself a favor and I think what kind of works with the film is the natural stuff, your outdoors, your um, even the way they shoot the ocean of Solaris, which we're going to get to. It's visually appealing. Once they start kind of getting into the more techie modern stuff, it loses some of that appeal. Unfortunately, you know, it's not an episode of Planet Earth, though. It's like a sci-fi film. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Japan thing, or excuse me. Yeah, Japan, right? Uh, yeah, Osaka and Tokyo. Okay. Which, you know, it's cool. It's cool to see that place in that time frame but you don't need to see it for that long you know it's like you got it <laughs> yeah um it, do, it does slow down the movie considerably it does sort of help amp you up like something terrible is going to happen because you do have a sense of dread as you're following this character but do we need that much built up to it no. so there's no shots like that in the remake you know i could appreciate it like i've said i appreciate some art but i definitely appreciate the remake because going now nah, we're just going to stick to the story along your point I'll, I'll give the remake the nod here as well. Going to space felt like going to space in the remake. Whereas like in the original, he's just kind of like sitting there and like the screen's like making colors. And he's like, uh, hey, when are we getting to space? Like, you're already there. It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, you don't get a rocket feeling or anything. It's just kind of like more staring into the camera <laughs> with colors. Um, and then it's like, you're there. Again, I, I think it's limitations with the technology. They couldn't exactly get the shot they want. And Of course. You know, it would have been a lot cooler if they did, like, a long shot of him going to space, you know, the, building that tension instead of the guy in a car in Japan. That would have been interesting. There's a lot of times where we want to, personally, I feel like, okay, I'll make an excuse for the timeline. But then you can't quite do that because if you look at something like 2001 A Space Odyssey, which came out years before, you know, there's ways around that. There's ways to work around that. So I do appreciate that if you don't, if you're not going to employ those methods to just do what they did and just like accept that we're in these set pieces without having to physically show you. But it does take away from the film when you know that there's scenes that still hold up from like that Kubrick film. And there's ways to make make it look like you're going to space even in 1972. Yeah, that's true. I should I didn't say this in the synopsis, but I should also mention this is our first foreign film that had an american remake so i don't know the russian cinema and like where they were technology wise right but i guess like for what they had i am assumed they didn't have access to what stanley kubrick had you know so i think for what they had it, it worked well enough yeah 
they didn't try to do something where it just looked like paper plates on a string, you know. Thank God they didn't do that. They might have copped out and like, okay, just shoot the guy's face and have colors flashing, which, you know, not great, but better than all the other alternatives at the time. It keeps the film grounded um, in the sort of psychological. Um, it's a psychological. Focuses on, yeah, focuses on the human characters and like what they're going through at the time. So, yeah. Which I think is um, the big strength of, uh, of this film. I think that, man, we're going to have to dive in this pretty quickly. Um, we may have to talk about the two Chris's because I think the way that um, the original film tackles the idea of uh, Chris and what we, you know, the twist that we learn when we get to uh, Solaris. You know, essentially people are on Solaris and they're, they're seeing things from their past before we really get into a character breakdown. Um, they're seeing things from their past. And the way the original film deals with that, I think, keeps it more um, philosophical in the sense that, yes, it is about the one character. But I think it's asking a bigger question about, like, humanity. Whereas the, the second film, to me, I think the remake sort of gets more into, like, the interpersonal relationships and it's two different ways to attack the same subject matter. I, I just found that maybe it's the longer runtime. Maybe it's some of the questions that they were asking in that time period. Uh, it felt to me more more of a broad uh, examination of like the human psyche as opposed to uh, Clooney, who's a great actor, getting more into the one on one relationships with people. What's your feeling about the two Chris's, I guess, starting with the original? Well, just to go back to your point there, yeah, I, I agree with that, definitely. It definitely felt more personal in the remake. Mm -hmm. They focused a lot more on the relationship he had with his wife. There's a lot more flashbacks in the remake. They didn't focus too much on the, what the consequences would mean for all of humanity. They definitely kept it, I guess, smaller in scope. In the original, you know, they didn't give you too much of the past. They gave you these flashbacks, but it wasn't spelled out as obviously as it was in the remake. Like the remake, you'd actually see like full scenes of them interacting. In the the original, you just like we said, you just get images with some music over it. You see some, you know, happy faces, sad faces. You know, you just get some characters emoting with their faces. It's up to the viewer more to interpret what happened uh, in their past. I mean, you eventually find out like in both movies, that the wife did commit suicide. But yeah, George Clooney's definitely emoting more. It's more of a personal story uh, in the remake. I, I, I didn't mind it so much in the remake. I thought it was fine. But I guess, I don't know. I don't really know how to tackle on the Chris in the original. Maybe because it's hard, because, you know, you're reading the subtitles the whole time and it's mm. it's hard to like see that you're not looking at their faces and just like exactly what their emotions are. So he didn't seem as uh, emotionally impacted as George Clooney did. I don't know. It's, it's weird. I, I, maybe you take it for a minute. Yeah, no, I'll take it. I guess um, just to kind of keep it in along um, almost like the synopsis aspect of, of what we do. I find it compelling in both films that the Chris's are psychologists. They're going in not necessarily as astronauts per se, but as um, people that are go going there, I guess, presumably to sort of evaluate what's going on from the perspective of the, the psyche of the, um, the astronauts up there. It's a nice, nice touch. I find that the original Chris gets more of a warning about what he's getting into because there's a character that's cut out, um, Burton, in the original film. And you see, like, basically, like, a video of him basically, like... Um, talking to like government figures or something like that about what happened to him when he was on Solaris. And he starts talking about seeing like a giant baby dude and uh, like, like weird stuff. So before he even gets to Solaris, you get a bit more of a, um, 
a foreshadow and forewarning. He's like literally telling you that he's seeing things in space before Chris in the original movie gets there. Whereas Clooney's Chris gets more of a like, oh, there's this guy I know that went to Solaris and he sent me a video and he's like, it's like kind of hushed tones. He's looking around. He's like, dude, it's like it's weird up here, but like just like you should come check this out because I think it's getting a little strange up here. So there's a more, at least the way it's described, there's a more personal connection right there. Whereas Clooney wants to see an old friend and what's going on with him. Burden, I can't really place why he's there. Yeah, I was going to have that discussion later because he is a character that is omitted in the remake. And what do you think about that? Um, did we need him? Should we have had him? I think that um, I do like that the character's there and that you kind of get to see him years later after his experience and sort of what he looks like now and sort of how that affected him. Again, back to uh, your point, and um, the scene is far too long. You know, that happens quite a bit in the original film. Where it's like, all right, we got it. You saw something weird. We don't need to see it for like 20 minutes. You know, you have like a deposition, basically. The remake, I do think that if you would have given that scene maybe another minute or so, maybe if the guy was trying to like do more of a, I can't explain what's going on, but like this type of thing. I forget. Uh, do you have the character's name from the remake? Oh, Jabarian. It's the same in both. Jabarian. Oh, Jabarian. So, you know, Burden... I like that he's used as a plot device to tell the story. I think it goes on too long. You know, with Clooney, again, uh, his friend Jabarian is in this video and he's telling him about, you know, what's going on in space. I think that scene could have used a little bit more breathing room. Um, They could have sort of expanded on what was going on instead of letting you figure out the entire story in space. Because at this point, you don't really, you know, Clooney cares about Jabarian, but you don't. So maybe spending a little more time with that would flesh out that character and make him more meaningful. It's a smart cut in a remake. You don't really need a burden. But I also think they needed to spend more time fleshing out what was going on before he got to Solaris. Eight minutes in, you're already kind of just jumping into the shit. And you haven't really had time to care yet. Um, it depends on you know what, what you're looking for in a movie. Yeah, if you like that buildup that you were talking about. The Burton character definitely helps, you know, sort of paints a picture in your head like, what is he seeing? Like, I don't understand. And yeah, you have that anticipation starting to build up because like, I want to see it. Is there really a giant naked baby? This is a weird place. Yeah. Um, But like you said, it definitely goes on for too long. Maybe they could have had like a Burton like character. Maybe just like, I like what you said, like, because you see him in the video giving that deposition and then it looks like he's aged like 20 years. He's like more gaunt. He's, he's bald now. And uh, maybe it would have been cool to like see somebody that was like that looked really like in their prime. And then all of a sudden they're like in like an asylum or something like being on the Solaris really messed them up. And that could have been a nice little build up in the remake. That would have been cool. And yeah, maybe expanding on the relationship with Jabarian would have also been cool. These are things that would have probably enhanced the remake, but ultimately I think it's fine that they cut the Burton character in that hole. Because, again, it's it was one of those early sci-fi movies, so they I felt like they needed to over-explain everything so that when things started to happen, the audience wouldn't be like, what? <laughs> again, you know, kind of rehashing a bit. I like what Burton did, but you don't need, you don't need him. Um, you don't so, need him driving around Japan for five minutes. I mean, I, I will never forgive the original for that. <laughs> you, you do not need that, especially c- considering he's not actually that important of a character beyond that scene of him just saying, 
this is what happened to me. Like after that, there's no real other reason that he's there. So he's a bit of a super superfluous character. You don't really need him. And to me, he falls in a category of plot device. And, you know, sometimes that feels a bit lazy. Like you said, the original film has certain limitations and, you know, not everyone kind of gets sci-fi necessarily in that time period. The genre has expanded. It's again, I, I find that a lot with both these films. There's like this double-edged sword. There's the going on too long versus the going on maybe a bit too short. I think both films handle themselves well in a lot of spaces, but I think that there's weaknesses on both sides of that that coin. Uh, did we? Did you finish your discussion of the Chris's? Um, we kind of went off and talked about Burton there for a minute. Did you want to get back into the portrayal of Chris? Yeah, we can definitely get back into the the Chris's. Um, with the original Chris, he's more of a silent protagonist. You know, um, you can see how things are. Um, affecting him in the face, but he's not talking necessarily that much considering the runtime. He's a bit more brooding and, you know, he wears it on his, not, not even wears it on his face. He just seems like kind of like in a haze, which I think helps because, um, you know, when you're being affected like that, like you can't trust what's going on. You don't know what's going on. I can see that happening. feels like to me, he's having like a bit more of a breakdown than the, than the Clooney character, whereas Clooney feels, because he, he is a great actor. He just feels more, emotive he's interacting with people in a way that and again maybe it's a language barrier maybe that's part of it but i feel clooney more as a individual and as a character as opposed to just like someone that like things are happening to i think it's easier to follow the clooney character because they like i said they show you more of the flashbacks so his motivations are more clear um, and like I said, in the original, the flashbacks aren't spelled out for you exactly. So you're not entirely sure how the the original Chris like feels. Like you said, he doesn't emote as much. Like if he's going through anguish or anything, he doesn't really like let it out so much like Clooney does. Like, you know, I guess that might be just be his acting because Clooney's able to cry like a lot. Yeah, I think it's almost um, it's like I know we've got to jump around a bit here, but. I think you can't separate the Chris's without their counterpart. Like the Harry character and the Chris character are so intertwined that to talk about Chris, we, we do have to introduce the concept of Harry to like have a really full discussion about who the individual Chris's are. So I guess like early on in, in the films, uh, relatively uh, some 45 minutes in, some, <laughs> some closer to like the 10 minute spot. Um, you know, he gets to Solaris, and there's things going on. We'll talk about the different doctors. Both Chris's see their um, their ex-wife. You know, they don't tell you what happened to the wife yet, but it's like, all right, I'm seeing my wife, and their immediate reaction is like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> you must die. Yeah, it's like, well, wait a minute. You're not supposed to be here. I'm launching you into space. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was free from you. <laughs> I will kill you again. No. I don't know, it's just weird. It's funny, because, like, I don't know, if I saw my dead wife, who I haven't seen in 10 years, I don't think my first reaction would be like, I have to kill her right away. I might, you know, let it sink in for a hot minute. Yeah, you might ask a question first, you know? Yeah, yeah. Both films are just like, nope, no. go to outer space and die. Mm-mm, not right. <laughs> I prefer the uh, the launch in the first film to the second one, because it's so ridiculously dangerous. He just, like, light, lights off a rocket in a room, and he's like... <laughs> He's on fire. He's literally on fire. He's so desperate to get rid of her. He's not even making sure he's a safe distance from the rocket. He's right there where the engines are burning. Almost lights yeah. on fire. He just wants to get rid of her so bad. It's that classic like uh, 
movie moment where like you're, you're putting someone in like a trap or something. It's like, nah, a little bit further. <laughs> <laughs> Keep walking. Right in there, right in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just... And actually, that that moment in the first film um, actually gets to play to a bit of a, a laugh, at least for me. I thought when the guy was like, next time, just step out of the room before you launch the rocket. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, dude, you don't have to freak out so much. I found that the um, the visceral nature of the way he reacted, um, how extreme it was, I felt that that played well into um, the drama for the first film because he he's completely freaked out to the point that, like, he almost kills himself in the attempt to rid himself of, at this point, I guess what he can only assume is like an apparition. And it freaks him out so much. And I think it plays well into the drama of the first film. Whereas Clooney just kind of like smoothly like, boop. Like it's just like a little space boob. It's just like, hey, get in this uh, secret pod and see ya. Because I knew what what happened in the original film, I kind of got the point of the second film. But like without real explanation, it just felt like, it's a little odd that he just like so casually like pushed her into space. It didn't feel like as necessary because of how like nonchalant it happens. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, you you may have had a different interpretation of that. I guess it was more emotional in the remake because you in their space pod they could they had windows and they were able to see each other. Yeah, they were both crying. And then the other the original that's just like a regular rocket. There's no windows or anything. I think maybe you hear Harry screaming. Maybe a little bit. I think so. The original Chris is a little bit colder. So he's just like, yeah, I'm fine with it. But like you said, with without regards to his own safety, I don't know. He doesn't think two things all the way through, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I think it was just a little more emotional in the remake just because they're both like, you know, she's got her hand on the glass. Like, what are you doing to me? I'm gonna, you're going to kill me. In the original, like, he didn't like, did he send her to the rocket right away? Did he spend a little time with her? I felt like maybe just a little more time. <laughs> A little more time. I think that's just uh, the way that film kind of works, that you spend a lot more time with, with different sort of plot points. It, it, there's an escalation. It's like they're having like a bit of a casual conversation. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, you know, we, well, we should get out of here. You know? Yeah. And, and Let's then, get some fresh air. Why don't you suit up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, nope. <laughs> Rocket time. Clooney's just like right away like, nah, this, is, this, ain't, this ain't it, chief. Like... <laughs> I'm not dealing with this. But you're right. There is that more emotion of seeing the apparition or the visitor, I think. In that film, they're visitors. And I think in the original, they're guests. Something like that. Something like that. I don't remember the exact thing. But yeah, pretty much yeah, the same thing. Yeah. So, you know, seeing Clooney get rid of his visitor, there's a little bit more, like you said, emotion to it. As opposed to sort of my take on the original was just like, it was such a mind fuck that he just like... Mm-hmm. It was almost like a break right there, like early signs of him sort of cracking because that is not a rational way to handle that situation. <laughs> Whereas like Clooney's, you know, same effect. He got rid of the visitor, but like he still has a handle on things. Like he's seemingly thinking rationally and he knows that like that's not his wife, but he's not going to put himself in danger to, uh, you know, remove that situation from for himself. And they give you a little more of the backstory right before that scene, too, in the remake. Because he's having the dream. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, maybe of the first meeting, first time they met. They have the witty banter. Yeah. And it's like one of those like love at first sight kind of moments where they're just like immediately attracted to each other. And they're just dreaming about it. And I don't think the original really does anything like that. I definitely don't think there's any flashbacks with any dialogue in the original, right? No. Nah. I think it's all just visuals, yeah? Yeah, nothing like significant. Um 
if there is dialogue, it's usually them sort of talking in the present yeah. about the past. But there's no, like, flashbacks to show you, like, any past connection that these two people had. It's nah. like you could figure out the Chris Rea relationship. Rea's that's the girl's name in the remake. You could figure that out pretty quickly because they give you a lot of scenes with them together. But the relationship isn't so clear in the original because you don't get any dialogue in their flashbacks. They just kind of exist. Like, that's my wife because that's my wife. Yeah. A lot of the world building in the original happens on the space station. In the remake, it's a blend of both. I think the flashback scenes are really strong in the remake. Man, we may be getting into this already. I think that um, the way they interact, one with Clooney having more of the flashbacks, and you can see more of the dissatisfaction with their relationship, paired with the idea of Harry versus Rhea, their interpretation of what they are is um, it's different. It's slightly different between the two films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, in my opinion, Harry um, feels like she's a human. Like she says, she says it a few times throughout the film. We know she's not because the science is actually a little bit more explained in the original, but also nonsensical that she's neutrinos. <laughs> neutrinos, yeah. Neutrinos, yeah. It's unstable. Um, if she's not around you, she'll just like fall apart. It's unstable. Harry feels like she's a human in the original film. Like she has her own agency. And although she is made from his memories, more or less, which is true across both films, which makes. Oh boy, here comes all the, the artsy shit. Um, <laughs> which makes her feel like incomplete. Like she's one side of Harry, the side that he wants to remember or the side mm-hmm. that he can remember, which obviously doesn't make her fully human, but she she does seem to think at least that she has her own autonomy. There's even a scene, you know, where they're both like talking and looking at like like classical paintings and stuff like that. And then they like quite literally like start floating, uh, almost like they've reached some sort of like enlightenment. So she feel she feels like a human, whereas Rhea, to me, the way that she talks, she's like she knows she's not human. She knows that no matter what happens, she'll never truly be human. I think that slight distinction. I mean, you know, depending on who you're asking, could be a major difference. I think that that little subtle difference makes the Harry, excuse me, Harry makes the Chris character completely different in my opinion in terms of how they're handling that situation Clooney almost feels a little more selfish in my opinion because he he wants what he wants and Rhea is basically saying that I'm not human I'll never be human and like that to her is like torture basically but Clooney presses on because he wants almost like a do-over he wants to relive this relationship Mm -hmm. he wants to do it right this time again to me I felt it was a little more selfish because this other character is explaining that she doesn't feel human. It's kind of not right. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, in the original film, it's the same thing. Like, he wants his wife back. He wants that kind of do-over. But at least both the characters think she's human, which I think makes it a little more reasonable for Chris to continue on that path. Whereas Clooney's, to me, probably, you know, and I get it as a human, like, you, why would you want to give that up? But, like, it makes his character a little bit darker, in my opinion, because he's not necessarily taking um, the full weight of the situation into um, into account. Wow! Yeah, lots of uh, lots of things over there. Let me. Yeah, let me go into the. So that's one of those monologues that I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's. I'm gonna go back to Harry and Rhea mm-hmm. for a second. I yeah, I'm, I kind of agree with you. I think you get more of who the real Rhea was because of those flashbacks. But then once she's there on the space station, you don't really 
she doesn't really grow as a character. All she's doing the whole time is questioning her existence, as opposed to Harry, who you didn't really get to know, but um, she's like living more, if that makes any sense. Like she's actually doing stuff. She's not just questioning, you know, what what am I doing here? I, uh, this isn't right. Her character has somewhere to go, as opposed to Rhea. Like she hits this wall, and then she's just kind of just, I don't want to be here anymore. Uh, I guess it's almost more heartbreaking that like Harry ha has to go because like you know she came from nothing and that she went somewhere and then her character is able to grow and she didn't always want to be destroyed but like Rhea almost immediately it's just like I this isn't right I shouldn't be I shouldn't exist and so you want her to almost like be destroyed because that's what she wants and you're you're sympathizing with her yeah, Harry's not doing that the whole time. She's she's living life. And I think obviously that's you have more time in the original. She, she has more stuff to do. Sure. Um, but I think yeah, that was one thing in the remake. I was like, I wish they just let Rhea have a little more fun. You know, made yeah made it I don't know just like a joyous occasion that like she's actually back and like you know give us hope as an audience that like oh maybe things will work out for the two of them. You know, and then make us root for them. But we never really get there because almost immediately she's like this is wrong again i think you're right length kind of comes back into play here whereas like harry is originally more of a blank slate like you don't know much about her you never really know much about the original harry either other than the fact that like she kills herself um she wasn't completely happy with the relationship um it's almost like that 500 days of summer sort of twist at the end where it's like oh all the stuff i thought was cool was actually terrible and my wife like killed herself but because you never really know much about the original Harry, and this new Harry st sort of starts like, she does start almost like um, childlike in the sense that like she doesn't know what she is, we don't know what she is, and she's learning about herself day by day or like hour by hour on the station to the point where it's basically Harry 2.0. Like the original tendencies still come in because he does remember that, uh, Chris remembers that Harry was unhappy, but like this Harry is fighting with that element. Whereas, like, Rhea knows what's up kind of almost immediately, like you said. I think also kind of, like, going back to it, because we're building out that backstory, sort of the comment I was making about Clooney's version of Chris being kind of, like, more dickish, as it were, is, like, you get to see, like, the douchey dinner party. You get to see how he treated the original Rhea. And the, the new Rhea is kind of, like, pointing that out to an extent. She's just like... Yeah, this, like, didn't work the first time. And, like, honestly, like, I'm not even, like, real. She she really, like, expresses that, like, I'm a memory, more or less. And, like, nothing about that is going to change. So even though Clooney's Chris wants things to change, she realizes very quickly that, like, they can't. Because I'm what you remember. So you can't change your your past, more or less. It's, it's an interesting take. I like I like both films and how they approach it. I just think that like it makes uh, to me uh, Chris way more flawed in the remake in a way that um, I I don't know. It's harder to get behind that character, whereas in the original it, it's like he just seems confused and because it's a confusing situation. You know, I don't know if they said it in the original, but in the remake they definitely say like I'm not even the real Ray. I'm just your memory of her. Even if your memory is wrong, that's what I am. I'm not. I don't even know if I'm right. Yeah, again, that could just play to, like, Chris's ego or what he wants. You said, like, he was a dick in the flashbacks in the remake. And he's, you know, he's sort of replaying that controlling role over her. You know, just denying her of whatever she wants, uh, which is to not exist. You know, being selfish again. 
and you don't get the selfish motivations too much from the original Chris. He's a little selfish because he doesn't want her to go. For sure he is. I guess, you know, to make things more simple, it just feels a little less gross. It's like they both are kind of like growing together. And Harry, in that situation, kind of sees how it's affecting Chris. You know, like, it, it goes that that direction where she's like, oh, like, this is actually not good for you. Her taking herself out um, is more about the fact that she is incomplete in that, that sense she can never truly be what Chris needs. And it's, like, clearly, like, messing with his head. Whereas, like, um, the remake, I don't know, Clooney still seems to be together, more or less. Like, he doesn't seem to be cracking nearly as much as the Chris in the original. But his motivations just don't feel right. Uh, you would think that he would be able to sort of separate himself from the situation. But, you know, I, I also get it from a human perspective. Like, a lot of people would do that. Yeah, because the remake, that's what they kind of more focus on, that personal relationship. Like, I think that's what they tried to go for. Like, what would you do in this situation if your wife had died? Would, yeah. would you go to these lengths to just try yeah. to keep her and have her and never let her go? I appreciated it in the remake. You know, it was definitely a different take, but I thought, yeah. you know, you can't do exactly the same thing. So what they did with it, I thought worked well. And, you know, I, I do like the scene, like the philosophical conversation with the, like, artsy type people like you're just like oh he's a bearded guy in the sky like that's what you think about the creator and she's like oh these these people suck and it's like these people do suck <laughs> team raya man i think that's kind of what, what it comes down to like you're in the remake it's like you're team raya as opposed to team chris like chris is like take him or leave him for me it's just like i don't need this guy like more more of her like she gets it i guess this would be a good time to start talking about like the doctors because that gets us back into more of the differences so we have our supporting doctors in the original are dr snout and dr satorius and then in the remake we have dr snow and dr gordon in the remake yeah and uh briefly uh not for long jabarian but uh jabarian's good to to note here um they both you know have the circumstances of uh committing suicide in the films but the way it's revealed in the original versus the remake are different whereas in the original nobody's talking to chris at first and he has to kind of figure that out himself whereas in the remake um they do actually they do actually talk to him yeah i was gonna say snow because like they're all weird the crew when he first gets on board yeah. uh i feel like the original crew is a little bit weirder <laughs> super weird and like there's weird stuff going on like he He's walking around and a guy like takes like a little dude and throws him back in like a door. Like, what was that, bro? Yeah, yeah. So in the original, this uh what's his name? <laughs> yeah. There Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ, how do I even say this without fucking losing my shit? Yeah. So Chris is walking around the original, he's trying to find out like what happened. Uh nobody's talking to him. He talks to Snout a little bit. Snout's acting very strange. Then he goes to Satorius's lab and Satorius is like I'll meet you out there. And then there's all this noise going on. And then all of a sudden there's a, like a midget just like naked. Was it naked too? He might've been actually. I don't remember. I, I, I remember him with clothes, but maybe not, you know, I don't know. But this little dude just runs out the door and he just stuffs him back in there and just like, yeah, yeah well, anyway, <laughs> it's just like Willy Wonka, just kicking an Oompa Loompa yeah. back in there. There's nothing to see here. I thought that shit was crazy, man. Yeah, and they never they never address it, which is great. No. <laughs> They're just like, yep. No, I love that they didn't address <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I assume that that was his guess. 
Yeah. And that the guest is probably freaking out because they guests freak out when you're not like almost in direct eye li- mm-hmm. eyesight of them. Like that's how um Harry gets injured in the original film originally. Like but again, unexplained, completely crazy. Glad it's in there, and I'm glad mm-hmm. no one tried to explain that to me. Yeah, then uh <laughs> Satorius's equivalent is Dr. Gordon, and Dr. Gordon, played by a woman, yeah. doesn't have a visitor. We never see her visitor. No, I think she explains that it's her kid, I think. Did she? I don't even know if she explained who her visitor was. I know she just said, like, we don't see our visitors anymore or something. Or maybe Snow said that. I don't remember. Because I think she got rid of hers. Like, she did the brain thing yeah the higgs anti-higgs boson ray gun i don't know <laughs> that's right the, one's a brainwave one's a higgs boson thing <laughs> it's starting to bleed together but yeah was that viola davis right yeah yeah she's definitely tough you know that comes across very early whereas like the uh snout and snouts and satorius are just kind of like more passive satorius is a you know he, he's a little rough around the edges but he's not like actively like telling people what to do he's mm-hmm. just like more of like a, a rough suggestion whereas like gordon is just like this is fucked no 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 like listen to me mm-hmm. we're, we're getting out of here like this is this is not right and she she's very tough i i like that um aspect of uh the character it makes things move along a little bit better in my opinion she puts a little more stakes on it like we can't even go back to earth because what if this starts happening on earth right you know we can't have this we don't know what's happening so you know she her sense of danger just raises the stakes a little bit more in the remake yeah for sure for sure and snow is just he's out there here's a quick question before we dive too deep in this should we talk about the twist the twist yeah let's just talk about the twist people have seen the films already so like snow who's out there and you know when you first see him there's like there's like the bloody lab and stuff like that and he's sitting there and he's he's got this like his personality is just a little like i don't know how would you describe it like he's just like very spacey man he's just like he's like a space hippie i don't know yeah he looks like charlie manson (laughs) which he did play later i looked up his imdb he does i was like this guy looks like fucking charles manson and sure enough he played charlie manson like a couple years later wow i mean this was good practice because uh (laughs) the big twist in this film which sort of brings us into true remake fashion here this is real real hollywood stuff <laughs> when clooney first gets there he sees all the blood in the lab and he assumes that it's a uh, jabarian from when he got kills himself turns out the whole time snow was actually snow's guess because when he first got there he saw himself which is a trip man <laughs> when you think about it but he saw himself that's what he said I, I didn't really understand it i know he was the guest he wasn't the original guy but that's what happened. He saw himself. Well, like Snow that they were talking to the whole time was the guest. Yeah, I know that. I picked up on that. But was the guest that he saw himself or was it his brother? I wasn't sure. Because the guest who's de- who's deceiving us as Snow, he says, oh, it was my brother, the guest. And then I wasn't sure. I didn't get a good look at the body. Was it the same actor that was the body? I couldn't really see. I think it was. It's kind of weird that... Where we have to ask the question, you know. Spoiler alert: It's a bad it, twist. It's it was unnecessary. Yeah, it's not. It's not a great twist. Um, it, it actually hurts the movie quite a bit. Yeah, I know because I if it's if he sees himself, it makes a little more sense. But that's also weird. Can the yeah. guest be yourself? I didn't even think of that. But like, it made me really confused because if it wasn't his exact doppelganger, 
then why didn't Dr. Gordon notice, like, oh, Snow looks completely different than he did when we boarded the ship? Like, wouldn't yeah. Gordon know that that's not the real Snow? Unless it is his twin or something. It was unnecessary. It didn't really drive the plot forward. It didn't we didn't even raise the stakes. It was just like, yeah, I killed him, so you're going to leave no. now, right? Yep, we are going to leave. It was good to know that you were really the uh, the apparition, the visitor. And uh, it didn't change anything. It could have been the same guy. And yeah. The story would have moved forward. Maybe ended a little earlier because we wouldn't have had to, to sit there for a minute figuring out this twist. Yeah. The fact that, like, the movie ultimately ends with a twist in both films anyway. Yeah. The twist before the twist. That's too much. Chubby yeah. Checker couldn't even do that, man. It's, it's too much. <laughs> That's right. When he did the twist again, it was not the same. <laughs> it's like, Chubby, we did it. We did it, bro. <laughs> nice, nice reference, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm like kind of reading like the wiki, and I don't know if it's like the original guess, but like at some point, Snow dreamed up a replica of himself. So it was, it, it did look exactly like him, is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I didn't know that. Well, hey, when you're blue and in the ceiling, like, I, it's hard to say, bro. <laughs> he was all, like, dead and in the ceiling. Um, That's where his body was hidden the whole time. And I guess the replica was kind of saying, like, he was defending himself. Yeah, he said, because he was going to kill me, so I acted first. It was self-defense, man. Because he, he didn't want any action against him from the other yeah. two. Which which is fair, because, I mean, these guys are launching replicas into space. So, you know? <laughs> uh, if, you, if you're a being and you feel sentient, um, yeah, self-defense makes sense there. It's, like you said, it's an unnecessary twist. And then also, I guess they kind of raise the stakes. He's like, actually, every time you use your little boson ray, you're wasting fuel. Which is like, how did they not know that? Yeah. Like, mm. are they not monitoring that? So, like, basically, I guess Solaris is expanding, like, the, the planet maybe because like it's not quite an ocean in this film it's almost more like a gas almost like like spreading out yeah but apparently it's like getting closer or maybe they're falling into the orbit and they don't have enough fuel to get away or something like that was kind of what's implied it it takes away from the ultimate ending in my opinion and it just feels too much like hollywood bullshit you know yeah they were trying to like stack too many like surprises at the end because this all happens like close to the very, very end very. and there were maybe if the twist happened in the middle of the film like oh man that's not the real guy he's and he's trying to kill us too yeah. you know then maybe it could maybe escalate things a little bit further but since it happens at the very end yeah. and it doesn't really go anywhere it was unnecessary yeah i i think you're right i think um maybe you presented earlier and i know that like taking down the runtime is part of maybe why it felt like it didn't make sense maybe there was like a longer cut yeah, if you reveal it towards the middle, there's some fun things that you can do with, like, Rhea trying to help them figure out the fuel situation, um, you know, them trying to come to some sort of solution, as opposed to, like, hey, maybe we do have enough fuel, let, let, let's try to get out of here. Like, that, it just feels unsatisfactory as a conclusion, considering that, like, we're following, like, sciences. So it's like, oh, we got a fuel problem, and it's like, well, let's just try to, like, gun it, basically. Like, I felt like maybe the same amount of attention they spent on these um, these guests, these visitors, maybe they would have spent on that situation. Because, like, I think you ultimately presented these problems at the end that, I don't know, they didn't have any, like, there was nothing to overcome. Like, they still were able to do everything they needed to do. It didn't stop their progress from achieving any of their goals at the end. It, 
It didn't do anything. It was, yeah, like you said, it was a very Hollywood move to do. We have the sci-fi movie. Let's raise some tension needlessly at the very end. Yeah. I didn't like it. I was a replica or a clone the whole time. It's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> You're also like barely in the film too. Yeah, exactly. You didn't, <laughs> he didn't, it's not like he was like sabotaging them the whole time yeah. either. You know, he was just a normal guy. <laughs> maybe, maybe that twist works better if like, he does the reveal to the other guests, like the Rhea guests, and like, or like they inherently know that they're all from the same thing. If it's like the planet working in tandem against him, yeah, makes it interesting. If like Clooney was betrayed by his guests, yeah, that could have been interesting, and there could have been somewhere wild to go with that. But like this, like it just feels like shoehorned in, dude. I'm I'm a I'm not the dude you think I am. Um, and also you're kind of screwed now. It just feels like the sub boss in a video yeah. game. It's just like, oh, all right, all right. What, what are we doing here? Don't worry, though. Movie's going to end in five minutes. So uh, we're not going to really, we're just going to glaze over this part. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, unfortunately, it, um, it cheapens the whole experience and it actually retroactively makes the film worse. You know, like if you, if you kind of just gone along, it was like, yeah, you could have complained about. You know, if you're the type like me that would complain about this, I don't think it was long enough. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm in the minority there, so it's like I would have been fine with the film. I think being a different interpretation of uh, how I don't know interacting with something from your past can affect you, and whether it's truly its own thing designed to look like the person you remember, or if it's just like this is literally just your memory and you're like putting way more onto this more or less vessel than what it is. Like, that's a far more interesting conversation than, like, we were talking to the wrong dude for 20 minutes. Like, it just, it made the movie worse, which is a shame because it's not, it's not a bad film at all. Um, except for that. That, that part's really bad and should never have happened. Yeah, I, I think they could have cut it. I don't think it made, like, the earlier parts of the movie worse, but I just think at that part, I definitely just, like, sort of mentally checked out. I was like, yeah, this this is really unnecessary. It didn't ruin everything that happened before for me, That's but I think it it should have been cut because it, you didn't need that twist. You really didn't. Yeah, Ru- ruin is probably a strong word, but it did leave a bad taste in my mouth. Just like mm-hmm. uh, it just feels far more commercial now for no reason, which is a shame because the film was like doing artistically interesting things. But you know, like you said, ultimately. It's a it's a blip. It's like doesn't even matter that it happened anyway. So yeah, you're right. We can move past it. <laughs> Where do you want to go now? Should we? I'm looking at my notes. The only thing we haven't really talked about is the ending. We should talk about the ending. Which if you if you skip the sub boss <laughs> and like just remove that and talk about the endings, the real twist, as it were, in both films is that even though it's Chris seemingly got off of the space station, it turns out he's still on uh, Solaris. Both films do that in their own way. Um, I think you had some notes on that, so I, I could definitely let you take the lead on that. All right, I guess I'll just go into how they reveal it first. So in the original, he's back on the farm with his dad, and uh, everything just seems fine and dandy, and then it just starts sort of raining on the inside of the house, or the house is leaking, and then you just have this unsettling feeling that something's not quite right. Right. And then the camera just starts to pan out, and then you get this aerial shot of, like, the farm is just on this really tiny island, and, oh, we're still on Solaris, oh, no. So that's the original ending, 
And then the remake, it sort of goes back to like the beginning. You kind of George Clooney's kind of going through his daily routine that he did in the beginning of the film. Right. And in the beginning of the film, he cut his finger, and he had this scar uh, where he cut his finger, and he's cutting fruit again, and he doesn't have that scar this time. So right. it's like right there, you're like something's not right. And then you see Rhea, and then it's sort of like, are we alive? Are we dead? It's like, does it matter? Because we're together. And then you're like, okay, it's Stolen Solaris. Okay. Yeah. yeah, she has that line, which basically like, like you said, it doesn't matter. Like everything that we've done is forgiven, you know, like um, it doesn't matter anymore because uh, they're living on this weird gaseous like planet thing that fucks with their heads and uh, makes it so that time or nothing really matters. It's interesting. It's like a utopia, but it's a dark, dark utopia um, in both films. So the original, we we end with the dad, who we only saw really in the beginning of the film. And then in the remake, we end with Rhea, who we see throughout the film. Yeah. So what did you think about that? That you don't see Harry in the original ending. Full disclosure, I like was like looking at different notes and like um, breakdowns of this and like other sources. Um, but one interpretation that I, I kind of liked was that... Um, for him, like when you see the way he interacts with his parents early on, he's kind of like, you know, he's not connected with them in any real meaningful way. So I think for him, he had to get away from thinking about the past and sort of embracing the people in his present. I think it may have been some sort of admission that he needed to get past Harry to like be happy, like truly happy. So like maybe he, he's embracing like his family, the people that are still around. So from that aspect, I think it's interesting. I actually really don't like it as much because the dad's not in the film much, and I had to do way too much digging to kind of come to that conclusion. Uh, I like that idea that, like, okay, the past is a past. Even though I could have the past, I think it's time to move on, so I need to be with the people that exist now. So why didn't he just go back to Earth? Are they unable to go back to the Earth in the original? I think he thinks it's Earth, though. I don't know. Does he think it's Earth or does he think he's on Solaris? I don't know. Well, well, maybe he knows he's on Solaris. But like for us as the audience, we're thinking that he's back on Earth. Yeah. Uh, you know, because that's where the film started. So maybe they just like got on the planet or something and he doesn't even know. You think that's kind of the reality? I, I kind of think that that's what's happening. Or like, or maybe he, to him at this point, he doesn't really care anymore. I think for both of the Chris's, like it doesn't really matter anymore because the planet for whatever reason and that's kind of like the sort of the dark i guess almost scary part of it is does it matter like what is planet or whatever's in game like what what's the point of it making this like utopia for you does it draw something from you or you know does it even need a purpose really like maybe it is an extension of uh of your psyche you know like the things that you want um or you think you want i don't know what the hell <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I was just a little confused about, uh, yeah, about the original's ending because the most obvious ending would be like, okay, he's going to be with Harry because that's, yeah. you know, the apparition he saw and that's who he wants to be with. But they, they completely went 180 with it and there's no sign of her. So, I mean, it, yeah. if that's the reason because he's he's learned to move on and but he just doesn't know he's on Solaris, I guess that's an okay ending. Yeah. I, did, yeah. I didn't pick up on that on my viewing. So there's I guess there's an issue with it there. And I guess the more human uh, ending is like, I can't let go of the past. <laughs> yeah. And that's where you get with the remake. I am going to hold on to this as long as I can because change sucks. And this is where I was happy and I want to be there. 
Yeah. I understand the remix ending. I like the idea of letting go if that's what they were going with the original. Yeah. But then again, I don't know. But I right. think the remix ending is more relatable. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I think it's definitely more relatable and it's easier to pick up on like the theme that's sort of happening there. Whereas like the original, it's like perhaps it's that or perhaps this is his new utopia where it's like, I don't want to think about that part of past like Harry or anything like that because we've been down that road and I thought I'd be happy there and it didn't make me happy. You're right. Maybe there could be an interpretation where it's like, no, nah, we're just going to try this now, this different type of relationship. Or it's like, and again, I mean, there could be different interpretations there, but like I kind of took it as like he thought he was back, but um, he truly wasn't. Or maybe if he did finally recognize that he, he wasn't back, that he just embraced this idea. I guess open to interpretation. That, that That's an interesting way to go with your sci-fi endings right yeah just like letting the audience kind of decide leaving it sort of open-ended yeah we, we got a few few movies where open towards interpretation oh yeah like inception or something yeah or the end of the original italian job where they're on the oh <laughs> bus. oh yeah that, that. <laughs> a literal cliffhanger <laughs> but no you're right the remake is more relatable the ending makes a little bit more sense a little more closure maybe in the remake's ending yeah it does give you that Inception vibe of like, you know what, man? Why am I fighting this? Yeah. You know? Whether it's real or it's not, it's it's real to me. This is a happier place for me than the reality of the world where it's like things don't go my way in the real world. The people that you love can be taken from you or they'll take themselves away from you. So I guess you have more control here. In either scenario, it almost gets that like philosophical question of like, is that a good thing? Is like ultimately, is this a good ending or is this like terrifying? You know, like right because it's because it's not real. You know, you right. can't you can't we can't all physically touch it or something, right? Yeah, right. But, but you know, when you're messing with these themes of like what is real in the first place, like maybe it's not so bad. You know, like yeah, you couldn't tell anyway. So what does it matter if this is really your life or if it's life that you you wanted or you think you want? Like that's probably good enough. I don't know. I think I get more of that with the remake, though, because he does, because he knows the wife is dead at that point, and it's like he technically knows it isn't her. You know, he's able to be okay with that, right? Because because even though she's really dead, but she's still real, like present in front of him. I think the remake maybe tackles that a little bit more because the way the original ends, like he's just on that farm with his dad, and yeah, he was really there. Um, this isn't some mind-bending reality. There's no way. It's not like he can't be on the farm with his dad, right? He could still do that. He can't be with his dead wife. I guess they don't make you think too outside the realm of possibilities in that ending, right? Because it's impossible to be with your dead wife. Right. But if you could, would you? I kind of like that. I guess I'm just drawn to that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like that aspect of it, Um, if, if you're interpreting it that way. I think they're both perfectly fine endings. Perhaps, um, you know, through our discussions, perhaps I've been too hard on Clooney's character because like being in that particular situation I think a lot of people would make the choices that he makes throughout the film especially considering like you said with the flashbacks and seeing the way he um you know interacted with his wife and the the guest version of his wife I think if you're talking like pure ethics probably not the best behavior but then at the same time he's a human being and human beings are flawed and that's probably what most people would do if we want to be honest with ourselves so, like, towards the end, like, I don't hate him um, embracing it, you know. Perhaps the planet has more malicious 
ideas of what to do with them, or maybe like they feed off of like essentially making you go crazy or something like that. No, it's a nice planet, Reggie. It feeds off of happiness. It feeds off of happiness. If you're happy, it's it gets full. Isn't that a nice little? Well, that one guy died, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, like that was a planet potentially protecting itself. Like it. I don't know. It, there's a really cool sci-fi element of like, is this a bad thing? You know, I I really don't have that answer. Right. Yeah. Some people would say no. If it's not like real, like it's yeah, it's not good enough. But it's like it might it might be. You know, like perhaps the planet in its own way is like that's its version of it. Like enlightenment. Hey, dude. Like you don't have to suffer if you don't want to. It's definitely one of those situations. Like I don't I don't know how I'd react until I'm actually in that situation. It's a it's a head scratcher. Makes you think. Definitely head scratcher, and honestly, after having this conversation with you, you've actually um you've changed my mind a bit about the remake, and I, I think um it may have gone the other way for you with the original. Well, should we get into the verdict before I uh, tell you how I feel about the original? Yeah, let's do the verdict before we do the happy like freeze frame. <laughs> hey man, you know we learned a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you did too, everybody listening. Okay, all right, so it's judgment time, Reggie. Let's start with you. Solaris, should they have done this remake? My original take was, I mean, it was good enough. Like, it wasn't really, like, sold on it. I felt that there were elements of it that got a little modern Hollywood that I was like, ah, this is a remake doing that remake thing again. But then, you know, talking about it a little bit more, it's like, it's really just another interpretation of the potential effects of that type of um, situation. Like, psychologically, what would happen if you were sort of stranded somewhere and things from your past started coming around, I think the remake, you're right, tackles the interpersonal side of that. And on my first sort of watch through, I felt like, oh, it's shorter. And they're like, just kind of skipping the things. But then like thinking about it a little bit more, I was like, oh no, this, this film certainly has merit um, because it's just a different way to look at the same source material. So in that sense, the remake should exist. I just think that it should exist without the snow killing the guy twist because I think the snow thing is what kind of pushed me over the top and make me think that like, oh, this isn't for me because it just gave me that commercial Hollywood feel. But you can get past that. Uh, the remake um, certainly has merit. Um, I personally still prefer the original, but I think the remake should exist. Nice. So when I was watching the original, I always do this every time. I'm like, what can the remake do to give merit to its existence? And number one on the top of my list was that runtime, man. Whew. Two hours and 40 minutes of this Russian film. That's, that's not easy. And it's a, lo- it's a very artsy film, too. So there's a lot of long just pans of the camera, a lot of music, not a lot of dialogue or story or plot happening. It's just a lot of visuals at certain points. I thought as long if the remake can fix that, then I think it'll be well worth it. And I think the remake was able to do that, and I think it was able to do more too. Uh, we we talked about it already. The more in, made it more personal, more interpersonal. They went over the interpersonal relationships better in the remake. I like that. They showed us a lot more flashbacks of the of Chris and his wife before uh, they were on the Solaris, and then sort of helped that progress while they're on Solaris. It, and then, you know, George Clooney's a really good actor. He knows how to emote really well. And, you know, you sort of felt his loss. Um, I felt his struggle that, like, man, I really fucked this up, and I really think I could fix it now. And I, I like that. You know, I, I, call me a sucker, but I like that when you think I could fix, uh, like, mistakes of the past. And 
the original, I, I, I think I didn't really like it at first because it just it was just a little too long and too artsy for me. And uh, but like I think your com my conversation with you just helped uh, sort of flesh it out, help answer some questions I had about it too, which some things were just a little confusing. But I think that's the strength of the original. It's a little more open ended. It's a little more open for interpretation. I think you could have more fun with that. Uh, the remake is very straightforward. Like this is what happened, and this is like you have to follow this path exactly. And then it has that stupid twist that yes, it could almost ruin the movie for you. Uh, it, it is easy to just ignore though because it does happen towards the very end, and it has no there's no implications because of it. But yeah, I like the remake. I thought they did a pretty good job. It went straight to the sci-fi elements. Uh, which the original didn't. It stayed on Earth way too long, I think, the original. It's not a great remake, but it was good enough. And yeah, I'm happy that they did it. I think this is one of the um, one of the times, and this may come come about again, but uh, a lot of times I find that we uh, we tend to be more or less on the same side of things. Um, because, I mean, for a lot of the films, it's pretty cut and dry, uh, whether you're watching a good movie or a bad movie when it comes to a remake. But I think this one, because everything was so open-ended and uh, subjective, this was interesting because, um, you know, originally I was team team original movie, and uh, I think you were team remake. But um, <laughs> by talking about the films, I actually liked the remake a lot more after discussing it with you than I did necessarily real-time watching it. And it's like, I actually may, like, mm -hmm. give it another shot, you know, like maybe watch it again and see what parts of it I, I miss, you know? Especially because it's shorter. <laughs> I can't blame you for watching watch it because it's shorter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you helped me uh, that ending. I didn't like that ending at all in the original. But um, after talking about it, I, I do kind of like that. That idea of letting go, the harder decision. I, I, I like that it went there instead of just the obvious, like, oh, I want the, I'm going to stay with my wife. But it's a harder thing to do. So yeah. what George Clooney did in the remake, that's, that seems like what 99% of people would do. And then... 1% would just learn to move on. Yeah. It's also interesting that, like, it's kind of layered that, like, if you interpret it that way, it looks like he did the right thing, but he's still doing, like, the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, more yeah. or less. Depends on if you think staying there is wrong. All right. Well, I think we did it. Another episode, and we, we both had the same idea. The remake was worth it. Excellent. I was yeah. worried. I was worried because, like, when we, before we did this, you, you hear, like, oh, I got so much shit to say about that remake. I was like, oh, God, yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I have shit to say about the original. <laughs> so it's, no, I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad that, like, good. we had these conversations. We're able to sort of get our point across to the other and, uh, you know, meet at a middle ground. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, ultimately, like, two different people, you know, you, the way you watch something is going to be different than the way I watch something. But, like, um, when we talk about it, it's like, oh, wait, I get where you're coming from. And you get where I'm, I'm coming from. So, uh, you know, if the audience doesn't agree, they can uh, they can, they can keep subscribing and uh, five-star review us. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, I know you got to go, so maybe we can just figure out what we're going to do for the next episode. I've been kind of cool. picking them. If you want to pick this next one. You know what? Uh, 101 Dalmatians is probably... Decent, safe. Um, you know the uh, the fiancés and the wives and stuff may enjoy it. So yeah, and uh, actually, it, no spoilers. I, I was going to say something about the films, but you won't have to know what I think about the films until the next episode. <laughs> so. Okay, there you go, a little teaser. All right, so we're going to do 100 Wall Dalmatians for next time. Thanks everybody for listening. I'm Dan Bulick. You could find me on Twitter at Console Wars Guys. And I'm Reggie Parker. You can find me on Twitter at RP Comedy, Instagram 
at RP Comedy. Thanks for listening, and hope you enjoyed this episode of Retro vs. Reading.